The Narrator A Good Omens Podfic Written by Apple Seeds and read by Literarian Summary Crowley didn't even realize the audiobook he was listening to was going to include any scenes involving intimate encounters. He certainly didn't realize that the narrator, who had the most perfect voice ever, would do accompanying sound effects during those scenes. Crowley can't even get through listening to it without becoming incredibly flustered, so how will he cope when he actually meets Aziraphale Fell in person and discovers everything else about him is just as attractive as his voice? Chapter 1 Honestly, it was amazing. You should read it. You know I don't read books, Crowley grumbled, wondering how Anathema could be so cheerful at this time in the morning. The caffeine hadn't even had a chance to kick in yet. Then get the audiobook. You know I don't recommend things lightly. It's really stuck with me, all the insights about breaking free from the narratives we've been fed since we were born, reclaiming our symbiotic relationship with the Earth. You would be into that, though. You're a witch, Crowley pointed out, taking another sip of his coffee. Yeah, but it was so much more than that. It was about challenging everything, about throwing aside expectations and being who we really want to be. Look, I'll buy the audiobook for you, okay? You can listen to it in the car. Yeah, okay, I'll try it, Crowley relented. It can't have changed your perspective that much, though, if you've still shown up to work today in this hellhole. Change tax, Tom. Crowley grunted his agreement. Well, speaking of the hellhole, I'd better get back to the office. I've got to do a presentation this afternoon. Lucky me, eh? Hope it goes well. See you later. They parted ways just outside the staff kitchen, and Crowley sauntered lazily back to his office. By the time the working day finally ended and Crowley could go home, Anathema had already procured a copy of the audiobook version of Invisible Truth for him. The reviews said it was inspiring, but Crowley was rarely in the mood to feel inspired. Still, Anathema was his only friend and ally at work, so just to make her happy, he put the book on in the car to accompany him on the drive home. He had to admit, he did find the first 45 minutes he managed to listen to on his commute inspiring, although not for the same reason as Anathema. He could be quite certain of that, since she'd read a physical copy of the book. It wasn't the content that was inspirational to Crowley. It was the narrator. He had the most perfect, captivating voice Crowley had ever heard. He enunciated every word so precisely, his voice deep, low and soothing. Crowley could happily have listened to him all night and, in fact, 
contrary to his original expectations, did continue listening once he got back to his flat. He kept his earbuds in while he prepared and ate his dinner. He even went to bed early so that he could listen while tucked up warm and cozy under the covers, the comforting sound of the narrator's tantalizingly perfect voice in his ear helping him to relax. He felt like he was melting into the bedsheets. Sometimes the narrator would adopt a slightly deeper tone and Crowley would feel his voice reverberating throughout his body, sending pleasant tingles down his spine and giving him goosebumps. It was so relaxing that Crowley actually ended up falling asleep while listening, having the best night's sleep he'd had in ages and had to go back and try to find the last part he remembered so he could listen again on the way into work the next morning. Anathema, of course, asked him how he was finding the book and was delighted with his enthusiastic response. In fairness, it was actually a decent book and he could certainly see why Anathema had enjoyed it. Crowley finished listening that evening and felt strangely bereft once it was over. He looked up the audiobook online, learning that the narrator was a man by the name of Aziraphale Fell. Learning his name gave Crowley a weird fluttery feeling in his stomach, as though that simple knowledge had made his mind and body acknowledge that it had been a real, living, breathing person speaking softly in his ear all night. Eager to hear more, Crowley searched online for other audiobooks narrated by Aziraphale Fell, thrilled when a substantial list was presented to him. Crowley didn't fancy listening to any more inspirational non-fiction, but was pleased to see quite a few novels on the list too. He bought an audio copy of a book called Forged and this time decided to start listening while taking a bath. Listening to Aziraphale reading a fictional story was a revelation, the creative nature of the medium allowing him more freedom with the tone and modulation of his voice. He put on different voices for the characters, effectively conveying their feelings and emotions through the dialogue, showcasing his skill and talent much more effectively than in his reading of Invisible Truth. Crowley sank down into the pleasantly hot water, surrounded by copious bubbles, and closed his eyes, floating in a state of blissful tranquility. Crowley hadn't been lying when he said he didn't read books, but now he was thinking maybe he'd just never found the right ones, as Forged turned out to be pretty compelling. Or maybe he'd have found the phone book compelling if it still existed and Aziraphale Fell had been the one reading it. Crowley got out of the bath, dried off, and got into his black silky pyjamas before heading to bed early again. 
Despite getting into bed just after nine, he didn't actually fall asleep until gone midnight, entirely caught up in the story of the mildly misanthropic blacksmith struggling to find acceptance in a small village in 17th century England. The palpable romantic tension between the blacksmith and the village bookseller had Crowley gripped, and he had high hopes that by the end they would overcome adversity and find a way to run away together and live happily ever after, not that he would ever admit to such a thing. He listened again in the morning on the way to work and looked forward to finishing for the day even more than usual so that he could get back to the story. He climbed into the Bentley with a huge grin on his face, connected his phone to the car's sound system and navigated his way out of the concrete monstrosity that was his workplace's multi-story car park. Aziraphale's voice materialized over the speakers, deep, slow, and full of emotion. Here he would learn the unholy truth, that the road to hell was in fact paved with cobblestones, pieces worn by the relentless rush of rivers until they were unrecognizable, shaped to be smooth and perfect, giving no indication of the truth of what once was. Zachary was thus, the secrets of his soul long since abandoned in favour of propriety and expectation, the pieces set together in sand, heavy and clawing like clay and unyielding under the force of the pounding rain. The water slicked his pale blonde curls to his face as his footsteps echoed around the deserted street. It was time to break free from the prison he had forged for himself and for his heart. His shoes struck the stones as he strode purposefully along the road that may indeed lead him to eternal damnation, but he had come to realize that, in truth, he had already died a long time ago by permitting himself to be moulded and set in place, another stone amongst many, untarnished and ordinary. What cause did a ghost have to fear its demise? Indeed, Zachary knew surely that the road to hell was paved with cobblestones, for it was this very road leading him to the blacksmith's workshop leading to Antony. Oh my god, is this actually happening? Is he actually going to tell him he loves him? Crowley wished he was listening to this somewhere else so he wouldn't need to concentrate on the road. The way Aziraphale spoke the words augmented the building tension, making Crowley's pulse quicken. The furnace flames flickered in Antony's eyes like a demon drawing him into the circles of hell. Zachary was undeterred. He had taken too many steps to turn back now. I thought you always retired to bed before this hour. The gravelly sound of Antony's voice made Zachary shiver. Yeah, I know the feeling. 
Crowley agreed, pulling away from a red light faster than he should. Not that that was anything unusual, but today he was particularly keen to get home. His confidence wavered. He had been steadfast in his conviction as he had approached the smithy, but now, confronted with his temptation in the flesh, he doubted himself. No, tell him, you idiot, Crowley interjected. Nor is it like you to venture out in such conditions, given the choice. Am I to assume that you are in urgent need of my services? Antony's low drawl was as responsible for raising Zachary's temperature as the heat thrown off by the furnace, his unwavering stare pinning him in place. Come on, just tell him you're in love with him and you want to go off together. Indeed, I believe I might be, Zachary replied, his own voice weak, feeble and questioning. Antony softened. Then I shall fetch you a towel and you can tell me what you need, he said. Zachary knew he must speak now, before illegitimate mutterings of sin deep in his mind could corrupt his conviction. You... Zachary admitted in little more than a whisper. I need you. Yes! Crowley slapped his palm against the steering wheel victoriously. God, he'd never live it down if Anathema found out how much he'd got into this after his claims to hate reading. Aziraphale's voice was laden with emotion, somehow managing to capture the protagonist's inner conflict, hope intermingled with doubt, logic with passion, strength with vulnerability. Aziraphale was so incredibly skilled at what he did, Crowley couldn't help but be impressed. Zachary caught the way Antony's confidence wavered for a moment, as though he had truly, perhaps for the first time in their acquaintance, caught him off guard. He was always so self-assured, although it had not taken Zachary long to see past that facade, to see the man who concealed himself beneath. What is it exactly that you need from me? Antony asked, and was Zachary deluding himself to hear his own sense of hope reflected back at him through those words? He fixed Zachary with a questioning stare, quiet disbelief embedded in his eyes. Zachary knew he must summon his courage, that he could no longer retreat, that his only option was to keep striding forward. Crowley's heart was racing beneath his sternum now, his hands clenched tightly around the steering wheel and his teeth sunk into his bottom lip with anticipation. He'd been listening for hours. Were the bookseller and the blacksmith finally going to get their happy ending? Crowley prayed this wouldn't be the kind of book where something stupid happened to pull them apart. He didn't think he could take it. 
Zachary's ribs rose as he drew the thick, warm air of the forge down into the very depths of his lungs. I need to feel your hands on me. I need you to take me to your bed, to undress for me, to let me worship your body with my own. I need you to tell me that nothing else matters, to seize me and kiss me with steadfast disregard for all who might oppose us. Crowley stared at the glowing red brake lights of the car in front, open-mouthed, trying to ignore how it felt to hear all of that spoken so passionately and desperately in Aziraphale's delectable voice. Crowley swallowed roughly. He hadn't realized this book might contain anything like that, and half considered disconnecting his phone from the car speakers to make sure he got home safely. Aziraphale's voice was deep and breathy, the sound of it making Crowley's whole body erupt with goosebumps, and it was incredibly distracting. Are you sure that is what you want? Anthony asked firmly, holding himself tense like a lioness stalking her prey, the unquestionable flame of desire burning in his eyes. Yes, Zachary replied, and as soon as the word had left his lips, Anthony pounced, seizing Zachary by the lapels and pinning him against the wall, moulding their bodies together. Aziraphale had quickened the pace of his narration, making Crowley's heart beat even faster and leaving him feeling rather hot and bothered, his collar starting to feel a little too tight. Anthony gripped Zachary's hair, tugging on it to tilt his head, granting him access to his neck. His mouth descended on it, feverishly kissing and nipping at his sensitive flesh, and Zachary moaned deeply. And Aziraphale moaned deeply. <sighs> and Crowley slammed his foot down on the brake pedal. Fucking hell! Crowley sat there, stunned, while Aziraphale continued to gasp and moan with pleasure, panting for breath between lines of passionately delivered narrative and dialogue. He was brought back to himself only by the insisting blaring of the horn from the car behind him, and he physically shook his head before forcing himself to focus and start driving again, pulling the car up to the side of the road as soon as it was safe to do so. Thank God the driver behind him had been paying attention. Crowley's entire body felt like it was on fire. He hurriedly turned the volume down, afraid that someone might hear these sounds coming from his car, not wanting to attract any attention. He sat in stunned silence and listened as Aziraphale whispered words of praise and adoration, as his breathing hitched and his sentences broke off, swallowed by choked moans and sharp breaths sucked in between clenched teeth. 
He breathed heavily through the speakers of Crowley's car, and Crowley thought he was going to explode. Not just his collar, but his trousers starting to feel too tight now too. He fumbled with his phone and managed to stop the audiobook, breathing out a long, shaky breath. He touched his hand to his face, his cheeks burning, and flopped his head back against the headrest. Fuck. He really hadn't been expecting that. Definitely safer not to listen to the rest of that scene while driving. Besides, there was no point lying to himself. Crowley wanted to listen to it on his headphones. The remainder of the drive home, Crowley drove much more slowly and carefully than he ever had in his life, no matter how eager he was to get home. Thankfully, by the time he pulled up in front of his block of flats, the situation in his trousers had at least resolved itself. He'd only managed to get home by deploying a mindfulness technique while driving, whereby he'd focused on every mundane little detail of his journey – road signs, shops, the color of people's umbrellas – whatever it took to get safely back to the flat in one piece. Crowley let himself in, shrugged off his coat and kicked off his shoes, heading straight for the bedroom. He grabbed his headphones and hesitated for a second, trying to decide whether to pour himself a glass of wine and listen to the rest of the story in the living room, or whether to just give in to temptation and get into bed. He didn't hesitate for long. Crowley had never been particularly adept at resisting temptation, so he stripped off, changing into his pajamas and getting into bed getting himself comfortable with his headphones on before picking up his phone and pressing play. The Narrator A Good Omens Potfic Written by Apple Seeds and read by Literarian Chapter 2 Summary Crowley is at a book fair. I wonder whom he might meet there. Unbelievably, Crowley was at a book fair. Anathema's grandmother Agnes had a stall there promoting her new book of prophecy, and Anathema had asked Crowley to come along to help them set up in the morning and pack everything away at the end of the day. Unfortunately, he owed her one after she'd come with him to the vintage car show where he'd bought the Bentley, using her incredible skills of negotiation to get him a good price.
She always had such a knack for knowing exactly at what point someone would be willing to compromise. She said it was because she was psychic, and given his experience with her, Crowley did think that was probably true. When everything was set up and the visiting public had started to venture into the huge marquee in which their stool was located, Crowley took the opportunity to pick up a copy of Agnes's book and have a flick through it himself. Maybe he'd stumble across something insightful that would unlock the mysteries of the universe. And besides, he didn't have anything else to do. He was in the middle of trying to decipher a prophecy about an angel and a portrait painting when an unexpected voice caught his attention. Hello, excuse me, I'm looking for Agnes Nutter. Am I in the right place? Crowley fumbled with the book he was holding, only just about managing not to drop it on the floor. He glanced up and saw that a man had approached Agnes's stall and was talking to Anathema. But this was not just any man. Crowley would recognize that voice anywhere. He stared open-mouthed at the back of the man's head, adorned with perfect fluffy white blonde curls. Anathema looked at Crowley quizzically from behind the stool, but then turned her attention to the stranger. Yes, I'm Anathema Devos, her granddaughter, Anathema responded politely. She held out her hand, and the man shook it. Lovely to meet you, my dear. I'm Azira Falfell. I narrated the audio version of your grandmother's book. Realization crossed Anathema's features and her gaze flicked towards Crowley. She gave him a knowing smile and he held on more tightly to the book and grimaced. Oh, Mr. Fell, thank you so much for agreeing to do the narration. Agnes and I were both delighted when you said yes. I don't tend to listen to audiobooks myself, but my friend Crowley does and he spoke very highly of you. Oh, really? Well, that's very flattering. Actually, he's right over there, Anathema said brightly, while Crowley frantically shook his head. Crowley, come here for a minute. Oh, God, just kill me now. This can't be happening. Crowley swallowed roughly, the blush he could feel on his cheeks intensifying when Aziraphale turned around and Crowley got a proper look at him. His first look at the man who had, through the medium of audiobooks, joined him night after night in his bed and moaned with pleasure and panted for breath right in his ear. And Damn it all to the depths of hell. He was gorgeous. Crowley, this is Aziraphale Fell, the audiobook narrator. Crowley discreetly took a steadying breath. Hi. Um, hi. Hello. Aziraphale offered his hand. Crowley took it bravely, hoping he didn't look as flustered as he felt. 
I'll go and find my grandmother for you, Anathema said. Aziraphale thanked her, whereas Crowley wanted to murder her, but there was literally nothing he could do now. Within a second, Anathema had gone, and Crowley was stuck here, alone with Aziraphale Fell. So I have you to thank for recommending me to Mrs. Nutter? Uh, yeah. Anathema recommended Invisible Truth to me, and I got the audiobook to listen on my commute. Thought you were really good. Crowley mumbled bashfully. Thank you, that's very kind of you to say. I'm indebted to you. It was a privilege to be able to read Agnes's book before it was published. I have rather an interest in books of prophecy, you see. I've actually amassed quite a collection. Oh yeah? Crowley asked, racking his brain for something else to say. Any insight you can share? What sort of things are you interested in? Stunningly attractive audiobook narrators with gorgeous eyes and a voice that makes me feel like I'm melting. Um, when's the world going to end? Ah, yes, that's a good question, isn't it? There's rather a lot of disagreement about that, as you might imagine. One of the books in my collection purports that it will end today, actually, around tea time. Oh, well, at least that'll save me going to work on Monday. Crowley joked stupidly. Aziraphale laughed, the sound of it making Crowley feel very warm inside. Aziraphale's handsome face lit up, the corners of his eyes crinkling as he smiled. I suppose that's something. Aziraphale responded, in a tone Crowley recognized from Aziraphale's interpretations of dialogue in the novels he'd read as actually being quite fond and affectionate. Crowley couldn't help but smile dreamily at him, but was rescued from having to think of something else to say by Anathema, who arrived with Agnes in tow. After making the necessary introductions, she left Agnes and Aziraphale to talk, dragging Crowley away towards the other stalls. As soon as they were far enough away, she turned to Crowley and grabbed his arm, bringing him to an abrupt halt. Oh my god, I've never seen you like that! Like what? You were blushing! You have a crush on him, don't you? Mm, I only just met him. Then you have a crush on his voice. That's not a thing. Of course it's a thing. The same way you can see someone and be attracted to them and think you'd like to get to know them better, but instead of seeing them, you were listening to him, she explained, as if that made perfect sense. Crowley sighed dramatically, but Anathema just kept looking at him expectantly until he finally relented. Okay, fine, maybe it's a thing, and now I know what he looks like and that makes it even worse. You're interested? Of course I'm interested, Crowley hissed, but it's not like I can ask him out or something. I can't even talk to him. Why not? I just can't.
He's just a person, Crowley. You don't need to be nervous. He seems really sweet. It's not that I... <clears throat> Crowley brought his hands up to cover his face and could sense Anathema moving a little closer. She lowered her voice and actually sounded sympathetic when she spoke. What's wrong? I liked his voice, so I looked him up and found the other books he's narrated, and I listened to some of those too. Okay, and? They're not all non-fiction. He does novels too. I'm still not seeing the problem, she said gently. Some of the novels were a bit, you know... Crowley widened his eyes and gave her a pointed stare. What? You know, they involved them. Crowley lowered his voice to a whisper before continuing. People having intimate encounters. Oh, oh, well, that's not a problem, is it? No, it's not a problem. It's just... He's really good at it. I mean, he gets really into it, does all the sounds and the breathing. <sighs> okay, I can see why that would be distracting, Anathema said kindly, but Crowley could see the amused smile she was trying valiantly to suppress. But do you really want to pass up the opportunity to talk to him just because of that? Just focus on him. I'm sure once you start having an actual conversation, you'll soon put it out of your mind. Why are you talking like this is an actual thing that's actually going to happen? Anathema sighed heavily and looped her arm through his, dragging him back towards Agnes's stall. Come on, you'll regret it if you don't. Trust me. When they got back to the stall, Agnes and Aziraphale were engrossed in conversation. Crowley took the opportunity to partially hide behind a display stand and just watch him. Fuck, he was gorgeous. He seemed so happy and animated and passionate about whatever it was they were talking about. Agnes's book, presumably. When he laughed at something Agnes said, Crowley felt a tugging sort of feeling in his gut, an overwhelming desire to talk to him, an involuntary smile spreading across his face. Anathema approached them and joined the conversation, occasionally shooting Crowley a glance that quite obviously meant get over here, but Crowley only managed to shuffle a few paces closer, close enough to hear what they were discussing now, but not close enough to really be part of the conversation. I suppose I should let you get on. I've taken enough of your time, Aziraphale said politely after a while, shaking Agnes's hand. It was an absolute pleasure to meet you. The pleasure was mine, Agnes replied in her wise old witch voice. I believe my next stop will be the cake stall. I passed it on my way over here. Everything looked scrummy. Sc 
Grummy, oh my god. Good idea, Anathema said brightly. Crowley, why don't you go with him? It was really nice of you to come and help us set everything up, but I don't expect you to stay with us all day. Crowley clenched his jaw and stared helplessly at her. How could she do this to him? She was supposed to be his friend. Maybe Mr. Fell doesn't want me to go with him. Crowley growled as quietly as he could, but despite his efforts to lower his voice, Aziraphale had evidently still heard him. Aziraphale, please, and not at all, I'd love some company, he said brightly, stepping a little closer to Crowley, his proximity making Crowley's skin tingle. Anathema gave him an encouraging smile and nod. Damn her! Um, okay, okay, let's, uh, let's get cake. Aziraphale smiled warmly and Crowley's knees genuinely felt a little weak. He hadn't thought that was a thing that actually happened to people. His pulse was racing and he was feeling all shaky. He just hoped this wouldn't turn out to be a complete disaster. When they reached the cake stall, Aziraphale opted for a decadent cream eclair with a cup of tea, while Crowley asked for a small chocolate brownie and a coffee. They sat together at one of the small white plastic tables that had been set up inside the marquee, Aziraphale's knees accidentally nudging against Crowley's under the table when he sat down. <laughs> Why is it so hot in here? They'd only been sitting for about ten seconds before the silence between them started torturing Crowley. He took a sip of his coffee before inhaling deeply, summoning the strength and focus to try to make conversation. So, did Agnes have anything interesting to say? As a matter of fact, she did. Aziraphale replied brightly, leaning in a little closer. She told me about some new prophecies that weren't included in the book. It was fascinating, although I'm afraid she did ask me not to share them with anybody. She's planning to include them in the next one, you see, and she was so happy with my narration that she asked me to do it for her next book as well. That's great, really great. I really can't thank you enough for recommending me. It's fine, you're really good, Crowley said with a shrug. He could feel his cheeks growing even warmer and dipped his head to take a bite of his brownie as a distraction. Thank you, that's very kind of you to say. Crowley chewed and swallowed his mouthful, concentrating very hard on not breathing at the wrong moment and ending up choking, which wasn't easy to do with Aziraphale looking at him like that, all happy and grateful and adorable. 
So, um, do you do this full-time? Narrating audiobooks, I mean? Oh, no. Although I thoroughly enjoy it, I actually own an antique bookshop. Oh, right. Okay, um, whereabouts? Crowley asked politely, grasping frantically at the remnants of the knowledge contained in his rapidly liquefying brain about how to conduct a conversation. In Soho. I love it, but I must admit, deep down I'm always a little disappointed whenever I have to part with one of my books. Crowley breathed out a laugh. <laughs> Terrible thing about shops, that. Selling things. Indeed it is. Aziraphale replied with a fond smile before taking a sip of his tea. So, what do you do? Oh, yeah. Crowley grunted, shaking his head and waving his hand dismissively. Boring corporate finance stuff. It's not interesting. Anathema works there too. She's the best forecaster we've got. It must run in the family. Yeah, I guess so. Aziraphale lifted his cream eclair up to his mouth and Crowley was utterly transfixed as he parted his lips around it, biting a generously sized chunk off the end of it before beginning to chew and moaning deeply with appreciation. Crowley's mouth hung open and he stared helplessly as Aziraphale's tongue darted out to lick away a small dollop of cream from his upper lip, still making satisfied little noises, noises that Crowley had heard before, although in a very different context. The effect was like classical conditioning or something, his blood readily diverting away from his brain, most of it heading towards his groin. Crowley forced his mouth closed and swallowed roughly. Oh, this is absolutely marvellous. <laughs> One never knows what the quality of the refreshments will be like at an event like this, but this is scrumptious. Aziraphale took another bite, followed by another deep moan. Crowley clutched his paper coffee cup so tightly he was slightly worried he might break it. Aziraphale glanced up at him, and God knows what Crowley's face looked like, but it was evidently enough to evoke Aziraphale's concern. Are you all right, my dear? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, fine. <clears throat> Crowley cleared his throat and tried to relax his grip on his cup. Are you sure? You seem a little tense. No, uh, no, I'm... Um, no, I'm fine. Not tense. Just fine. Did I do something wrong? Aziraphale asked, and he sounded so sad, an expression of such concern on his face that it made Crowley's heart ache. This really wasn't going well. What on earth had Anathema been thinking making him do this?
No, of course not. Not at all. Oh, well, all right. Aziraphale took a sip of his tea, but his whole demeanor had shifted and he seemed rather subdued. Crowley hated that he'd inadvertently managed to wipe the adorable smile off his face and ruin his enjoyment of his eclair. Please don't feel you need to stay with me. I'm sure you were wanting to look around the rest of the fair. And now he's trying to get rid of me. Terrific. Oh, right. Um, do you want me to go? No, not at all. It just felt like perhaps you wanted to get on and do your own thing. I'd understand completely if that were the case. Please don't feel you need to stay with me for politeness's sake. No, I don't want that. It's just... I just... <sighs> Crowley breathed out a long breath. Maybe it was better to just be honest and hope this wouldn't turn into the most embarrassing conversation of his whole life, although, in fairness... The odds were not good. Invisible Truth isn't the only book you've narrated that I've listened to. To be completely honest, I found listening to your voice really relaxing, so I looked up what other stuff you'd done, and I ended up listening to Forged. Oh, I see. And you didn't enjoy it? No, I did. It was great. Really great. Great story. And you were great, Crowley said, pretty sure that he'd just set a new record for the most times someone had ever said the word great in three seconds. But when you were eating your eclair just now, the sound you made kind of reminded me of, um, you know. Aziraphale wrung his hands together and dipped his chin, a discernible blush developing on his cheeks. Oh, I see. I'm terribly sorry. No, it's okay. I just wasn't expecting it, you know, out of context. Yes, I can imagine. Aziraphale started fiddling with his napkin, and Crowley wanted the ground beneath him to open up and swallow him whole. Fuck, this was awkward. Crowley's brain scrambled around, trying to think of something else to say. Does it feel weird recording stuff like that? Not really, it's just part of the job. I just need to get into the right headspace. Narration is a form of acting, really, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it is. I mean, when actors film these sorts of scenes, they're surrounded by potentially dozens of people and all sorts of equipment, cameras pointing at them from different directions. I imagine that's more challenging. At least I'm alone in the recording booth with the producer outside, so it's relatively easy to focus. I just immerse myself in the story and do what needs to be done. Right, yeah, sorry. I hope I didn't make you feel uncomfortable. 
Oh, no, not at all. I'm fine. A little embarrassed, perhaps. Aziraphale responded bashfully. Nobody has ever talked to me about this before. You shouldn't be embarrassed. You're really good at it. Aziraphale breathed out a self-conscious laugh. <laughs> Thank you. That's kind of you to say. So it's really just mental focus? You're not actually eating cream cakes in the booth or something? Aziraphale laughed then, and Crowley could feel the tension starting to drift away. Thank God. No, no cream allowed near the recording equipment, I'm afraid. Oh, right, yeah, of course. Although some of the work I've done has involved sound effects, and I must admit it's been rather disappointing to have the illusion broken. What do you mean? To learn that, for example, when you're listening to the sound of rainfall, it's sometimes just someone crinkling a piece of tin foil next to the microphone or pouring dry rice into a glass bowl. It's rather disrupted my ability to immerse myself in the story. Mine too now, probably. Thanks for that, Crowley drawled sarcastically. Oh dear, I'm terribly sorry. Well, at least your sound effects are real, Crowley said, wincing as he immediately regretted it. Sorry, I just mean you're really good at what you do. All of it. All the different emotions you manage to convey and the way you change the pace to build the tension. Honestly, it's incredible. I never read books before I started listening to your stuff. You're really talented. Well, it's not talent, I guess, is it? It's skill. You're amazing. Wow, okay. Possibly overcompensated a bit there. The tension on Crowley's shoulders increased while he waited for Aziraphale to respond. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's certainly a great compliment to be the reason someone takes an interest in books. As long as they don't take an interest in purchasing any of the books in my shop, you understand? He said lightly. Crowley laughed politely, beyond grateful for the change of subject, which was almost certainly an intentional decision on Aziraphale's part to steer the conversation in a different direction. Crowley asked him a few questions about the bookshop, and thankfully they managed to have a pleasant, polite conversation following on from that, with no more awkward or embarrassing moments. Aziraphale finished his eclair with only the quietest little hums of pleasure, though, and Crowley couldn't help but feel a little guilty. Once they'd finished their cakes and drinks, Aziraphale invited Crowley to join him looking around the rest of the stools in the marquee. Crowley really hadn't been expecting that, and, fearing Aziraphale was just being polite, gave him an opportunity to get out of spending any more time with him. 
Aziraphale insisted once again that he would enjoy his company, and so, feeling exhilarated, albeit somewhat bemused, Crowley accompanied him. Crowley had never seen someone enjoy a book fair this much. Not that he made a habit of attending them, of course, but still, it was a pleasure to watch Aziraphale clearly in his element, making exciting discoveries and engaging in friendly conversation with the people manning the various stalls. Crowley really wasn't sure why Aziraphale had invited him to join him. Straightforward pity was a possibility, but that somehow didn't feel right. If anything, by some absolutely unbelievable miracle, Aziraphale seemed to be genuinely enjoying his company. Well, I think that's all of it. Um, yeah, Crowley responded eloquently. I suppose I should get back to Agnes and Anathema, see if they need anything. Yes, of course, all right. Thank you again for your company, my dear. I've had a wonderful time. Aziraphale held out his hand and Crowley took it, savouring the softness and warmth of Aziraphale's perfectly manicured hand. Me too. Thanks. Was really nice to actually meet you. Put a face to the voice. It was lovely to meet you, too. Crowley realized he was still holding Aziraphale's hand and abruptly released it. Right, I'll be popping along then, he said, gesturing vaguely in the direction of Agnes's stall. All right. Um, Crowley? Yeah? Do you think perhaps I might see you again sometime? I mean, I could take you out for dinner or something? Aziraphale asked a little hesitantly. Crowley was quite possibly even more stunned than he'd been when Aziraphale had moaned around his mouthful of cream eclair. Maybe even more stunned than when he'd slammed his brakes on in the Bentley when he'd heard that moan for the very first time. His heart started racing again. Are you asking me out? he asked, his voice emerging a bit rough and croaky. Is that all right? Uh, yeah, of course, just really unexpected. I certainly can't imagine why. We've had a lovely time together, haven't we? As much as Crowley wanted to protest and remind Aziraphale how much of an awkward idiot he was, he recognized that it wouldn't be in his best interest. This was unbelievable, but there would be plenty of time for freaking out about it later. Yeah, we have, he agreed, and Aziraphale smiled at him fondly. So, dinner? Um, yeah, that'd be amazing. Thanks. Wonderful. Aziraphale stepped closer, 
and lowered his voice. I can forgo ordering dessert if you prefer. A light but noticeable blush developed on Aziraphale's cheeks, and Crowley was fairly sure he was flirting with him. Crowley's stomach started feeling jittery, but he was determined to at least try to reciprocate. Anathema was right. There was nothing worse than a missed opportunity. Please don't do that, he said softly. Aziraphale's blush deepened. All right. Aziraphale drew in a slightly shaky breath and reached into his pocket, withdrawing his wallet. He fished out a business card and handed it over to Crowley. Please call me. I will, thanks. See you soon. I hope so. Goodbye, Crowley. Bye. Crowley watched Aziraphale walking away, his gaze drifting down the length of his body, over his fluffy blonde curls and his old-fashioned attire that somehow suited him perfectly. Crowley safely tucked Aziraphale's card away in his own wallet and returned to Agnes's stool with an irrepressible grin on his face. Anathema would never let him live it down, but right now Crowley couldn't possibly have cared less. The Narrator A Good Omens Podfic Written by Apple Seeds and read by Literarian Chapter 3 Summary After their fourth date, Aziraphale invites Crowley back to the bookshop. There's a bit of a storm out there. I hope you don't hear too much of that. Also, I'm so looking forward to publishing two versions of this pod. One in finely edited at pristine as I usually do, and one with all of the commentary because I think it's so much more fun having it embedded in. And you can let me know what you think about it, yeah? This is what Apple Seeds Fix do to me. I don't know why, but it's only ever hers when I do this and I have a blast. So thanks. After their fourth incredible date, Aziraphale invited Crowley to come back with him after dinner to see his bookshop. As soon as they stepped inside, Crowley felt like he'd been transported back in time. He wasn't really sure what he'd been expecting, but no matter what he might have imagined, the reality was better. The shop had a peaceful and strangely sophisticated ambience, crammed full not just with books, but all manner of intriguing antiques and trinkets. 
Crowley took a deep breath, inhaling the comforting scent of Biblico. This place is amazing, he said, casting his gaze around before approaching one of the shelves. He scanned his eyes across the title's house there, an eclectic mix ranging from Mrs. Beaton's book of household management to machinery's handbook and a natural history of uncommon birds. Thank you. Feel free to have a look around. Is there anything you'd particularly like to see? I'd ask you to point me to the botany or astronomy section, but I'm getting the impression that sections aren't something you believe in. No doubt to deter customers from successfully finding what they're looking for, thus reducing the risk of them committing the horrifying act of actually purchasing something. If they really want it, they'll be willing to work for it, won't they? Looks like they'll have to, Crowley observed wryly, spotting a book about crocheting next to one about keeping quail. That could be useful, he supposed, if you got some quail and wanted to make them jaunty little hats. That's part of the fun. One never knows what one might stumble across. With everything being digitized now and accessed through search engines, it's not the same. It's harder to discover something by way of a happy accident. Yeah, okay, that's actually a good point. Can be nice to try something different. Crowley picked up a book about 17th century herbalism and started flicking through it. Like when you started listening to audiobooks. From what you've said, you didn't think you would enjoy them, did you? No, you're right. And I wouldn't have listened if you weren't the one reading them, but some of those stories were actually really good. Well, I'm quite selective about what I do. So, if someone asked you to narrate a book and you read it and didn't like it, you'd refuse? Of course. Although not only for my own benefit. It wouldn't be fair to them either. You wouldn't want a narrator who wasn't truly invested in the book's content. Good point. Crowley slid the book back into its random position on the shelf. Your passion certainly comes across in what you do. Aziraphale studied him suspiciously. Crowley did well to feign innocence for a good few seconds before he finally gave in and winked at him. Aziraphale laughed softly, the flush on his cheeks noticeable even in the low illumination inside the bookshop. Crowley had learned over the course of their dates so far that Aziraphale enjoyed it when he teased him, and he could certainly give as good as he got. Aziraphale shuffled closer and settled his hands on Crowley's waist, leaning in to softly press their lips together. Crowley wrapped his arms around him, the two of them sharing a tender, albeit brief, kiss before Aziraphale stepped back. Would you like to come upstairs? Aziraphale asked a little bashfully. Crowley's pulse quickened with excitement. Yeah, I'd love to. 
thanks. Aziraphale smiled warmly and gestured towards the spiral staircase leading up to the second level of the bookshop and beyond it, Aziraphale's flat. As he proceeded up the stairs, holding on to the ornate handrail for support, Crowley wished he'd let Aziraphale go ahead of him. It would have been a very nice view. Although, if that's why Aziraphale had gestured for him to go ahead, Crowley wasn't about to complain. Through here, Crowley checked when he reached the top of the stairs, although as far as he could tell, there was only one door. Not that he would put it past Aziraphale to have some kind of secret passageway hidden behind a set of bookshelves or something. Yes, that's right. Go on through. The living room is immediately on your left. Crowley did as instructed, snorting a laugh when he stepped into the living room and found it to be practically a mirror image of the bookshop downstairs, although with possibly even more books per square inch were such a thing even possible. Is this your private collection? he teased. Part of it. Wait until you see my bedroom, Aziraphale replied casually, triggering a rush of excitement in Crowley's gut. It was Crowley's turn to eye him suspiciously. He'd been subjected to Aziraphale's flirting quite a few times by now, and Aziraphale often managed to do it so casually so innocently that he left Crowley wondering whether he hadn't even meant it how it had sounded. The more time they'd spent together, though, Crowley had come to realize it was always intentional and it never failed to render him speechless. Would you like something to drink? I have a very nice bottle of Chateauneuf du Pape I've been saving for a special occasion. Uh, yeah, thanks. Sounds good. All right, make yourself comfortable. I'll be right back. Crowley flopped down onto Aziraphale's sofa, which looked like it must have been as old as the bookshop itself. It was surprisingly comfortable and had presumably been reupholstered more recently. The steady thrum of exhilaration and anticipation settled itself deep in Crowley's gut as he waited for Aziraphale to return. To occupy himself in the meantime, he picked up the book on the top of the pile on the coffee table. The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde the book had a bookmark slotted in amongst its pages, worn leather with tassels, so Aziraphale was presumably currently reading it, although it seemed likely that Aziraphale would read multiple books concurrently. Perhaps even one or two in every room. Crowley turned it over and began to read the summary on the back cover. Interested in Oscar Wilde, are you? Aziraphale asked as he came back into the room, setting the bottle of wine and two glasses down on the table before joining him on the sofa. Crowley shrugged. 
he couldn't have anybody thinking he'd suddenly taken an interest in literature. Just curious. That's one of my favorites. I've read it many times. I thoroughly recommend it. Crowley squinted at the description and pulled an unimpressed face. Unless you've done the audiobook for this too, then I think I'll give it a miss, thanks. As you please. Aziraphale poured Crowley a glass of wine and handed it to him. Crowley waited for Aziraphale to pour his own glass, sharing a toast with him before taking a sip. It was delicious, far better than the wine Crowley tended to drink, but he'd learned pretty quickly that Aziraphale had high standards. What he was doing dating Crowley was a mystery. Crowley moved to set the book back on the table, but Aziraphale took it from him and rested it on his lap. I could read some of it to you if you'd like. You're a master of temptation, do you know that? Oh, I do hope so. Aziraphale replied, cradling Crowley's face with his unoccupied hand and leaning in to kiss him softly again. Pass me my reading glasses, would you? Crowley scanned the cluttered coffee table until he spotted a glasses case, reaching out for it and handing it over. Aziraphale set his wine down and opened the case, taking out a pair of vintage reading glasses and perching them on the bridge of his nose. Crowley experienced an unexpected and mildly overwhelming pulse of arousal deep in his gut. Half of his blood rushing to the surface of his skin and the other half to his groin. He swallowed and looked away, taking a moment to regain his composure. Crowley, are you all right? Mm-hmm. Crowley pressed his lips together and took a deep breath before turning back to Aziraphale. Fine, he mumbled, sounding a bit croaky. Are you sure? Is something wrong? No, 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 definitely not. Not at all. Aziraphale didn't look convinced. Another thing Crowley had learned was that Aziraphale was incredibly perceptive, but unfortunately, whenever he perceived that somebody was in some way out of sorts, tended to worry that he might be responsible for it. After talking about his family, especially his asshole of an older brother, Crowley wasn't entirely surprised that Aziraphale would feel so anxious. He had such a good heart and Crowley had promised himself that he would endeavor to always be as honest as he could with him. Then what is it? Aziraphale asked quietly, fiddling with the tassels on the end of his bookmark. You look really hot. Crowley's voice was rough and deep, and he licked his lips as his gaze travelled over Aziraphale's face and those stupid, insanely hot little reading glasses. 
Aziraphale breathed out a self-conscious laugh. <laughs> You're teasing me. You don't really believe that, do you? Crowley asked softly, setting his own wine glass down and shuffling closer, trailing soft kisses along Aziraphale's jawline before claiming his lips with his own. Aziraphale hummed with pleasure, intensifying Crowley's steadily building arousal. A thought suddenly occurred to him and he sucked in a breath. Wait, all those books you narrated that I listened to, were you wearing these glasses while you were recording? Yes. Crowley closed his eyes and flopped his head back on the sofa cushion, making an almost pained groaning sound. Uh, right, give me a minute to update my mental imagery. You've been picturing me while you've been listening? Yeah, is that okay? Of course it is. I like that you've been thinking about me. So, can I tempt you to a little Oscar Wilde? Crowley grinned and shook his head, recognizing that he was well and truly beaten. Yeah, go on then. Aziraphale did a delighted little wiggle and Crowley sunk his teeth into his bottom lip. He picked up his wine glass again, needing something to occupy his hands to help him resist the temptation to reach out and touch Aziraphale. Aziraphale began reading, and Crowley settled in comfortably with a dreamy smile on his face. His heart was beating so hard and fast that he could not only feel it, he could faintly hear it pulsating in his ears. He wasn't really concentrating on the story. Not that it would have made much sense anyway, as Aziraphale had picked up where he'd left off rather than going back to the beginning, instead just focusing on savouring the experience of listening to Aziraphale reading life, watching the movement of his soft, tempting hands and lips, the way his voice and expression shifted with the mood of the story. He was absolutely enchanting. The coat that Charles of Orléans once wore, on the sleeves of which were embroidered the verses of a song beginning Madame, je suis tout joyeux. The musical accompaniment of the words being wrought in the gold thread and each note of square shape in those days formed with four pearls. The sound of Aziraphale speaking just a few words in French was enough to make Crowley feel like he was on fire. He studied Aziraphale hungrily for a moment as he continued with the story, before returning his wine glass to the coffee table. He lightly rested his hand on Aziraphale's thigh, and Aziraphale's flawless reading faltered slightly. He glanced up, smiling at Crowley, before carrying on with the story. 
Encouraged, Crowley gently squeezed Aziraphale's thigh and began pressing soft kisses to his cheek, before moving lower, lavishing attention on the strip of exposed skin above his collar. Aziraphale released a shaky breath and made a quiet, approving sound, tilting his head slightly to improve Crowley's access to his neck. Aziraphale attempted to keep reading, but when Crowley slid his hand a little higher up his thigh, Aziraphale's breathing hitched and he audibly swallowed. Am I to interpret this attempt at distraction as your means of conveying your disapproval of my reading? Aziraphale asked lightly, his voice a little rough. No, don't stop, Crowley whispered urgently in his ear. You're making it difficult to concentrate. Aziraphale responded breathlessly, cradling the back of Crowley's head and drawing him into a kiss. Crowley pouted when he pulled away. But if Oscar Wilde isn't to your taste, perhaps I could find something else that is. I'm really not complaining, Crowley protested, but Aziraphale had already set the bookmark into position and was placing the book down on the coffee table. He rose from the sofa and approached one of the numerous bookcases around the room, bending down to retrieve something from one of the lower shelves. Crowley watched with rapt attention, the sight of Aziraphale bent over, stoking his arousal even more. Here we are. How about this? Aziraphale cradled the book close to his body as he approached the sofa, waiting until he sat down before turning it around for Crowley to see. Forged. You did say that you enjoyed it. Crowley swallowed thickly. Um, yeah. Would you like me to read some of it to you? Which parts? Crowley asked breathlessly, his whole body feeling like it was on fire. A palpable sense of tension and anticipation hung in the air, and Crowley felt like he was suffocating under the force of it, but it was absolutely exquisite. Perhaps something passionate? Aziraphale suggested, and Crowley made a squeaky noise. Aziraphale flicked through the book, stopping when he apparently found something he was satisfied with. Ah, this will do nicely. Aziraphale shuffled even closer to Crowley, resting the book with the spine between them. Crowley gave him a quizzical look. Will you do something for me, please, my dear? Anything. Would you be willing to read Anthony's lines of dialogue, please? Because I share his name? Crowley asked lightly, secretly thrilled. 
He liked the idea that Aziraphale wanted to listen to him read too, and intended to do as good a job as he could. It seems appropriate, doesn't it? Yeah, okay, you're not going to tell me your middle name is Zachary now, are you? Crowley asked, having noticed Aziraphale's initials both on the business card he'd given him when they'd first met and on the sign above the bookshop when they'd arrived this evening. Aziraphale smiled and shook his head. It's actually Zebediah. Oh, wow, you weren't exaggerating about your religious parents, were you? I'm afraid not. So... Would you be willing? I rather like the idea of you reading to me, he admitted, and Crowley's chest pulsed with warmth. Yeah, of course. Won't be as good as you, though, obviously. I'm sure you'll be wonderful. Crowley scoffed, feeling a little self-conscious. Thanks. Okay, you start. All right. Aziraphale paused for a second, presumably taking a moment to get into his narration mindset before he began to read. The cold night air penetrated the abandoned, dilapidated stables, the wind whipping against poorly patched shutters, howling all around them as if in vehement protest of this act of defiance and liberation. Harsh rain pelted against wood and stone as though it were the substance of divine purification summoned to wash away their sin. Antony mounted the torch in a rotten old sconce, its flames illuminating the stable, casting light on its dereliction, crumbling and neglected as the truth had been in Zachary's heart. Until tonight. The thrill of anticipation rendered him almost delirious, every instinct within him whispering to abandon all sense of propriety, to bear himself, to touch and be touched. A raindrop rolled down his spine. Zachary shivered. Come here, I need to remove your clothing. You are soaked through to your skin. Crowley looked Aziraphale right in the eye as he read the line, adopting a soft tone laced with desire. He carefully observed Aziraphale's response, the quickening of his breath, the bob of his throat as he swallowed, and wondered how much it could be attributed to Aziraphale simply immersing himself into the role and how much of it was due to the effect Crowley was having on him. Thank you. I understand the need for discretion, that we must ensure we are not discovered, but the temperature was certainly more agreeable beside the furnace. I will keep you warm, I promise. Even the storm raging outside could not mask the rasping sound of Zachary's rapid breaths as Antony slowly unfastened the cloak from around his shoulders, draping it over his arm and carrying it to one of the hooks on the wall whereupon tools were once mounted. 
He moved so slowly, with such poise and grace, incongruous with the rapid rhythm of Zachary's heart, the fierceness of the desperation burning within him. Zachary followed the movement of Antony's eyes, shimmering in the torchlight as they appraised him as one does a banquet, determining with which delicacy to begin the feast. His gaze settled on Zachary's throat, Antony's hands gliding up his chest before coming to rest there. Zachary's breathing quickened further as Antony purposefully loosened his cravat. Crowley placed his hand lightly over Aziraphale's ribs, skimming up over his chest and gently taking hold of one end of his bow-tie. He raised his eyebrows, silently questioning. Aziraphale nodded to indicate his approval for Crowley to continue. Crowley kept his movements slow and deliberate, gently tugging on the end of the silky material to undo it before pulling it free from Aziraphale's collar, never once breaking eye contact with him as he did so. Aziraphale cleared his throat and dipped his head, returning his attention to the book while with each line he read, Crowley tried to emulate the events in the story. Crowley unfastened the buttons of Aziraphale's shirt, fervently kissed his neck, and, after a quick glance at the text to commit his lines to memory, murmured Antony's words of encouragement and adoration right in Aziraphale's ear. Crowley could no longer doubt that Aziraphale's responses were due to his actions, his soft moans and ragged breaths fueling the fire raging within him. When they reached the part of the scene where Antony pulled Zachary down onto a bale of straw on top of him, Crowley paused for a second to consider potential logistics. Aziraphale's eyes widened as Crowley lifted the book and set it down on the sofa cushion beside him, raising his eyebrow in silent invitation. Aziraphale licked his lips and moved to straddle him in one eager, fluid motion. Crowley grabbed his hips and tugged him forward, making Aziraphale gasp and reflexively thrust against him. The weight of Aziraphale above his confined erection made Crowley ache for more, tightening his grasp on Aziraphale's hips to hold him in place. Aziraphale tugged the book a little closer. Antony's fingertips skimmed over Zachary's chest, leaving scorching trails in their wake. His touch moved inexorably lower, reverence and devotion seared into Zachary's skin, Antony's palms coming to rest low on his stomach, intensifying the desperate ache thrumming within him. Zachary's muscles drew taut, tense like a bowstring, as he held himself in a state of 
blissfully agonizing anticipation. Crowley held himself still too, resisting the urge to thrust upwards as he opened Haziraphale's shirt, purposefully tugging the fabric aside as though it affronted him, licking his lips hungrily as he ran his hand down over Aziraphale's chest and stomach before bringing it to rest just above the waistband of his trousers. Aziraphale's breaths were coming as ragged gasps now, and Crowley could feel his heart thumping hard beneath his sternum. Aziraphale rolled his hips and moaned deeply. Please, please, Antony, please touch me. Aziraphale read, a desperate plea, his voice laden with arousal. The words may not have been meant for him, but Crowley was undeniably affected by hearing Aziraphale say his name like that, his own heart racing, his body crying out for him to touch, to wrap his hand around the hardness now pressing against his belt. Crowley flexed his hand against Aziraphale's stomach, calling Aziraphale to visibly shudder. Please, Antony, please touch me, Aziraphale repeated, the words forced out between shaky breaths. Please, I need you to touch me, please. Crowley swallowed thickly. That wasn't in the book. He sucked in a breath and slipped his hand lower, grazing over the bulge in Aziraphale's trousers. Aziraphale moaned and pressed into his touch before once again fumbling for the book. No, no, please stop reading now. I can't. Crowley urged, seizing Aziraphale's wrist and moving his hand away from the book. Crowley parted his lips and thrust his hips up against Aziraphale, making him moan against his mouth. Crowley broke the kiss, sliding his hand up over Aziraphale's nape and into his hair, gently tugging to encourage Aziraphale to tilt his head. Aziraphale readily complied, granting Crowley access to his neck. Crowley eagerly took advantage, lavishing attention on every exposed patch of skin. Aziraphale moaned with pleasure, the sounds he was making becoming deeper and more desperate as Crowley palmed him through his trousers. Oh, Crowley. Oh my god, that's incredible. Hearing you say my name like that. Crowley murmured in his ear, his voice deep and rough. Let's move this to the bedroom, yeah? If you can negotiate your way around all my books, Aziraphale joked breathlessly. Can do this against a bookshelf if you want, Crowley growled in his ear. 
You certainly know how to tempt me. Aziraphale gasped as Crowley applied a little more pressure with his hand. But you're making me dizzy. I don't think I could keep myself upright. Although that might not be so bad. I'm sure I could have lots of fun were I to fall to my knees in front of you. Fuck, angel. Would you like that? Shit, fuck, yes, of course. <sighs> I'm sure I'll make plenty of very nice sounds for you when I have you in my mouth. He whispered teasingly, making Crowley whimper. He wished he was strong enough to lift Aziraphale up and carry him to the bedroom, overwhelmed with intense arousal now. Aziraphale shuffled backwards, standing up and holding his hand out towards Crowley, a heated expression on his face. Crowley took his hand and allowed himself to be pulled up off the sofa and into another breathtaking kiss. Aziraphale released him for a moment and gently grasped the frame of his reading glasses. Crowley hurriedly seized his wrists to stop him. No, 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 leave them on, he urged. Aziraphale smiled and complied with Crowley's request, gently taking his hand and leading him to the bedroom, where Crowley would soon discover that those thrilling erotic sounds Aziraphale had been making in his audiobooks were absolutely nothing compared to the real thing. The End 